Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. So today, you have decided that you would like to learn more about decoding your customer data and creating a better dashboard. That is the session that you have arrived in today. Are we all in the right place? Excellent. And as a reminder, what we're covering, we are going to be talking about what platforms have customer data on them, which ones you want to spend time looking at. That's going to vary, of course. We're also going to talk a little bit about anonymous customer data and validated customer data and for you to learn to track data a little better about your customers. And then we're going to begin, because I don't have computers here for you to understand, Google has a tool called Data Studio. Um, so we are going to talk a little bit about Data Studio and um, other tools that are available for you to build a better dashboard. Are we all up for the ride? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So. A little bit about me. Um, my company is called the Technology Therapy Group. Uh, I started it my junior year at Hofstra University in 1997. Yes, I know. I look great. Thank you. <laughs> um, but we are really here to meet businesses where they are. So we do live and on-demand trainings. We do one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions so that you can educate yourself and grow your team. Or we do help with implementation. I am Jennifer Shaheen. I'm the founder of the company, and a fun fact about me is I danced for 30 seconds on Broadway once. You can ask me about that after. Uh, all right, so I want to know about you. Uh, who's in the room today? So obviously, we're all in the painting industry, right? OK, excellent. Amen. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> and how many of you are more business to consumer, meaning homeowner, you're looking at that type of projects. Yeah, that's what, okay, and that's fine. So how many of you are commercial? Okay, and then for my commercial, um, is it, are you working with developers, um, general contractors, CM, okay, great. So a little more about me, and that's why I asked this. Um, I have had a lot of experience in the New York construction area. I work with Taliesin Constructions. I've worked with Caldwell Wingate. I've worked with Gilbane, some big GCs, CMs. But I've also worked with startup home improvement companies. So I do my best to balance this because this is not all for B2B, and it's not all for B2C. Make sense? If I may add a category. Please. For managers. For managers. Right. So OK, explain that to me, please. HOA manager. OK, awesome. I will do my best. That's a new category for me. Um, so another thing is about this. This stuff gets interesting, um, sometimes can be a little complicated. Um, I do not like you to wait till the end to ask questions. I will go through stuff. What's that? Oh, good. Oh, good. oh boy. he's going to be my problem child. <laughs> uh, but. Um, if you don't ask while you're thinking about something, if I'm going to cover it a little later, I'll say thank you. We'll get to it. But I do feel as though, especially with a room this size, I can handle the questions. So you shouldn't wait. Hold off. I really want you to feel engaged. And it's like that after lunchtime, so I need to make sure you stay awake. OK. All right. So I don't know if you've ever seen this cover. It's probably one of my favorites. Fact is. Data is the new oil. Now, though the picture on The Economist is showing Tesla and Facebook and Google, I swear to you, I have a soapbox. I've been on it for years saying, small businesses, you have so much to learn. I, too, I am a small business. I have 12 employees. We are constantly looking at opportunities to better understand our audiences ourselves. So this is important to me. But I love this quote, and um, the thing about this person, W. Edward Stemming, I don't know if any of you know him. You're smiling. But he's actually an engineer, and he moved into management consulting. He's a lecturer. But if you look at his years, this is the thing, right? This isn't the money ball guy. <laughs> this is somebody who thought 
data was important for a long time. So I always love this because for me, data is a gut check. I really find that we, as growing business owners, have to be leveraging our understanding of data to be saying, I think this. So we're going to hear a lot of that today. I hypothesize this, and I use data to back it up. So I want to talk about data types, because I bet all of you, and let's see a show of hands, how many of you have looked at some type of data dashboard? And how many of you have also felt like, I have no idea what I'm looking at? <laughs> About everybody's hand went bad up, right? Well, part of that is because we do need to understand not only the types of data, but how we question our data. So that's part of what I want to go through here today. So first off, most of the data dashboards that you look at are based off of objective data. Now, I'm sure we all know what objective data is, but I'll give you my definition of this. Is this is data that is programmed. We are getting it set up for us. It is automated, okay? The pros of objective data is it is unbiased data. The machine doesn't know you are a certain age. They don't know you're a certain gender. They don't know anything about you at that point. Now, they're going to find out about you, right? But it's investigative. It's faster and more accurate. Kind of like how many of you have ever seen like a store t a ticker, like you walk in and out of a store. It keeps track of how many people. That's how retail stores usually keep track of their traffic volume, right? That's unbiased data, okay? It can also validate hunches. The cons of objective data is often that it takes setup and planning. One of the things I find so many small businesses and growing businesses, myself included, I'm still working on everything myself, right, is that setting up and planning things out is the thing that takes us the most time. So the other thing is you all have data, and the hardest part is now stepping back and often cleaning up what already exists. And then the last thing is that it lacks detail, oftentimes, and context. This is where we run into the second data type, which is observational data. Now, most of us are doing this naturally all the time. How many of you make observations about yourselves, your customers, your clients, right? But the problem is that you're not formalizing that. So one of the things that I love is I encourage growing businesses, especially at this size, to focus on combining these two. So observational data gives us context. It provides greater detail. It's based on our experiences. So your objective data is going to be a little different than her objective data because you're coming from different places. But it brings together a part of a conversation. It provides quality and content for creatives and marketing. One of my favorite things to do, just like you just gave me a term I didn't know, right? How many times do you have a client say to you, I don't know what that means? You guys can say that to me all day long. Remember, it's technology therapy. So that's the big thing for me is I keep by my desk at all times a notebook. And I listen to how people say things to me. That is objective data. And then I use those word choices and that language in marketing back to them. That in psychology is called mirroring. I also do this by doing a recording of every meeting I have. Call recordings. I don't know if you record any incoming calls for sales calls or anything like that. I see the roll of the eyes. Oh, boy. But. <laughs> It, it does allow you to parse the information and not only provide better training, but it gives you some objective data to better understand your customers. I can't begin to tell you the number of clients. Remember, I'm business to business. I don't sell direct to consumer. Every time I have a consulting call, free consultation, I say, do you mind if I record this call? And they say, 
No, not at all. I tell them why. I use it for meeting notes. I want to better understand. But it now gives me objective data. Um, sorry, observational data. I left, forgot where I left off. OK, last is the cons to this is it can be subject to interpretation. So that is also something that is up for conversation, which can be a good thing. It also sometimes lacks data consistency. Uh, we see this on our own team because we ask everyone who does work on projects. So if you work with employees, you probably see this. Some people read really detailed replies to certain things, and some people don't. <laughs> we also use objective data to tag each thing. So at least we can run a tag report and then read the observational data in more detail. And then last but not least, sometimes less data is captured because of the fact that different people observe things in different ways. One of the things that you want to be thinking about as we're moving forward is combining these two data types is a really great opportunity for growing your business strategy and understanding how to connect with your customers on a better path forward. All right, so love this quote. What gets measured gets managed. Anyone ever been on a diet? Right? It's true. You have apps for all these things at this point because it's the same thing. So let's talk about it. And definitely feel free. Conversation is always welcome in this room. What are you measuring? Now, this is where this will be different from my direct. You're talking to homeowners. It's going to be a little different than if you're doing both. Okay? So what are you measuring? Are you measuring your customer and client acquisition? Do you know clearly what channels people are coming through? These are just some ideas, but it's part of getting going with doing a good data dashboard. Are you doing marketing channel attribution, meaning what are the multiple touches for the path to purchase? A B2B example for me often is, did someone fill out an online request a quote form, and then I did a follow-up call. Did I meet them at a BNI event? And then I did a meeting with them separately. Keeping track of that type of information, that is where we talk about those multi-touch points. Are you doing anything around the client and customer satisfaction loyalty? Mm. How you do a survey makes a huge difference, too. Job types um, for everybody in here. Identifying sizes, close rate by job type. That's one of my favorites to look at because usually when I'm helping people grow their businesses, this is a very important place of where's the low hanging fruit, right? We want to look at this kind of information. Close rate by market or geo. I have a startup home improvement company in the northeast of Massachusetts. He's a one person, left his job, wanted to start his own business. He cannot be in every market. So we really focus on the jobs that are closing the strongest in those markets, and then we're strengthening his reach in those markets. And guess what? He's not even a year in business, and he's already hiring his first employee. So geo is very important, especially it doesn't matter if you're B2B or B2C. Sometimes this can make a big difference. Okay, How are you measuring? I thought you guys would appreciate my little tools here, right? Because database, analytics applications, are you using third-party providers? I'm being very general here because this may vary for each of you, and I didn't want to just throw very specifics in here. But at the end of the day, what you want to be looking at is not just what you're measuring, but how you're measuring it. Are you using the right tool for measurement? And I bet you all could teach me a few things about your industry in the same way. How many of you have gone into a job and went, oh, that person just used the wrong tool for the job, right? This is oftentimes what I see happen with technology. It's usually that question for marketing. You know, if I'm yeah. looking into a marketing thing, it's like, okay, how am I going to measure this? How am I going to get it into my data funnel? Okay. So I'm learning. I said, so how's it going to look like? 
Is it going to look like, you know, is it a spreadsheet? Is it going to come from him in weekly meetings? That's what he said. And I said, uh, I want a spreadsheet. <laughs> Randy, you're going to learn so much about that today. Thank you. So for those of you in the back of the room who didn't hear Randy, Randy's saying, that's a great question. Like, that's a question he's asking a marketing person. He's wondering, I just started Google Ads. What am I going to get? What am I going to see? So I want to say one thing, and I actually have a Google dashboard in here, Google Ads dashboard. Um, yeah, one, one comment I always want to make about anything advertising big, please make sure you own the accounts. Okay, own your own ad accounts. Because if you ever let go of that company, they take the data with them. That back data, if you dig into it, can be so helpful. One of my favorite things about advertising and data is then when we'll see that, is that when you pay for something, you get more data. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about some things that are going on here. Are <laughs> um, things set up based on default. So what do I mean by that? Oh, yeah, I have a website. Um, my webmaster said he put the Google Analytics thing on there. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yes. Yeah. The problem is that most people who set up Google Analytics set up as a basic default. It's not necessarily tracking what matters to you. It is important that you ask that. That is why, remember, objective data is what? Time consuming, because this is very important. We give you, and we tell people, this is an upsell for me, by the way. I will put basic analytics set up with some good best practices. I always explain. However, we recommend that you track this, this, and this. <laughs> Would you like to do that? It's going to be an additional fee. Oh, wow, I didn't even know it could do that. Great. So I do bring that up because if that's something that someone's given you, so Randy, you just talked to an ads person. This is a perfect example because Google Ads connects with Google Analytics, which we're going to see. It's a combined analysis. You should never review your dashboards individually. You're going to hear me say that a lot today. Have you customized your tracking? What matters to you? Have you set up focus segments, meaning geos? Audience types, okay? Uh, you mentioned funnel. We can talk of how you set up a top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. Are you tracking the attribution? So one of the things that I've had been teaching social media since uh, Facebook came out of the .edu, yes, that long. And the hardest thing for most small businesses that I've worked with over the years is they looked at social media to be the direct path to purchase. They didn't understand this conversation that you might get discovered one place. So that's why nowadays we call this a multi-touch, because we live in a multi-channel world. So are you going to get into that? I am. How are we going to think about I am. OK. How are we doing? Good. All right. Cool. All right. So this is where all of you are going to say, um, by the way, I don't know if anyone's noticed, there's a QR code sitting in the corner of some of the slides. Feel free to pull your phones out at any time. You'll get an autoresponder with this. But for all of you, this next part is going to vary. Okay? Every channel you have has data. So let's look at all the channels. Website. Your website is a channel. If your analytics are set up properly, you have data on there. You have lots of data on there. You have data about how long people stay on a page. You have data on how long they, how far down they scroll on a page. You, yeah, click-throughs, um, everything. Email, email marketing, general email, believe it or not, even. One of the secret tips that I do is um, I use tracking URLs in my signature, so even if you, I, if you click on my LinkedIn, I know that you followed my LinkedIn or anything else. I'm, I'm a bit obsessed to understand what works. Video. Video in itself actually does tell you a lot depending upon the platform you're getting it from. YouTube, Vimeo, I'm going to show you a couple of examples. Very important, by the way, for, who are my home people? This is important because Knowing your home customers who don't always understand things, if you can pay attention to how long they watch a video, it's a lot easier to upsell or sell them or get them to understand a process. 
I was talking to an interior designer about this and a cabinet maker yesterday. <laughs> your phone systems. Your phone systems often have this or call tracking. Again, this will depend for some of you. CRM, customer relationship management system or a customer database, um, something um, in myriad of different worlds. So here in your organizations, you may have a custom one, um, but you know, others that are out there, you know, ActiveCampaign, HubSpot, um, Insightly, there's tons of them. Your accounting application. Do we all have an accounting application? Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, because I use it too, um, one of the things that I've spent time with is customizing the data fields in QuickBooks to better understand my client types, the revenue breakdowns, that kind of thing. That is data in itself. Your social media, your Google business, review sites. Not only, and I know you can groan, I'm sorry, I don't control them, I didn't create them. Um, but they do give us some things, like Yelp does give you information. But has anyone actually gone through and read reviews on your own businesses, right? Have you ever thought of encoding that as observational data? It is good. You're talking about like if you find like trends or keywords yes. that you're finding using. Absolutely. I swear. Exactly. And also, by the way, it's often a great way for you to even just understand who on your team's been doing a good job, depending upon how big your crew is. If you've ever noticed, most of the time people even put who helped them in there. I know I do it at restaurants all the time, right? So think about it. People. Your people. Ask your people. So you said surveys, but depending upon what kind of business you're doing, meaning like B2B or B2C, maybe you say to the person that went out and did the quote for the homeowners, can you tell me, did you happen to notice what kind of car that person drove? Now you guys are going to ask me, why is that, right? Why? Why would you want to know that? If you're trying to profile a customer, there's something to be said. There's a difference between a Subaru driver, come on, you know it, right? They're practical, right? Versus the person that drives the Tesla. Totally different audience types. If you are trying to customer profile, even using your own team to record observational data like that, I used to do this with stores because I wanted to understand if you were an, um, an, uh, an iPhone versus an Android, <laughs> um, there's a lot of actual research that shows you that first adopter iPhone users want the newest and greatest of everything versus Androids are much more pragmatic. So think about stuff like that. But you're, you're, you're nodding your head, right? Because you're hearing and you're like, oh, but the other people out there are doing this research for you. All you have to do is use your people to maybe record some of it. Last but not least, organizations like this one. They did not pay me to say this, actually. <laughs> but it's true, like partners, associations, if you, are, you sell a particular brand or you use a particular, most of them are doing some data research and they can provide feedback to you. As we look at all of this, and as Randy so poignantly offered, well, this is all coming at us. We now have to start looking at what's available to us and then start whittling it down for your business, what makes sense. Okay, so let's look at some channel data. So first off, Facebook has Meta. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about them. <laughs> um, the monster we all love to hate, right? Um, the villain in the movie. The, here, this is just an example, but this is your business page, by the way. Have you ever, they actually upgraded. This is the new analytics, if you haven't seen it. Um, and I'm less often concerned about this information. I'm more often concerned about that information. There's a tab there that says audience, and then it breaks down top cities, age demographics, and genders. Now, again, for the B2Bers, I'm sorry, the B2Cers, like the homeowners, right, this can be really helpful for you because you want to know if people are the right audiences, this information then tracks into other applications. So this anonymous data will give you an understanding of the average age ranges 
of the people who might be interested in your business as it stands currently. YouTube. One of my favorite things about YouTube is not only does it give you top geographic locations, age and gender, but it actually shows you the length of time that people watch your video and it tells you the drop off. So now you can use that information, again, same thing here, to better say, I have to go back and recreate this video, or at, before this point, I need to point down to say, look in the link and get some information. That's good. That's really good. This is a, an interesting client. They spend a lot of money making these videos. Um, okay. How many people, everybody here should have Google Business, right? Everybody has a Google My Business? Please, head nod. I'm an only child. I need the head nod. Thank you. I like it. That thumbs up in the back of the room. I love this. This is one of my favorite charts to look at with clients because one of the things I do when we start with them is we baseline this and I ask how many people in your market even know you exist, your brand name. That's what this chart tells you right here. If you've never looked at this, this gives you that insight to understand because the direct, the green right there, that's people who are Googling specifically your company name. So when you start a marketing program, you should be looking at this because this will show you what brand lift looks like. Because remember, multi-touch attribution. Okay? Yeah. If you are in Google My Business, on the left side it says Insights. And um, if you would like, after, I have a free, like, seven-minute YouTube video that takes you through every one of these. <laughs> um, this is probably, and by the way, there's one missing unless you have it available, is the, the fourth one would be Message, so if you actually allow for messaging. But if any one of you are doing local service ads in Google, which are different, your Google business listing should be optimized because this is a big way people are finding you is on the map listing and then the Google local service ads, which are different than regular Google ads. I don't believe LSAs open to local affiliate. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I, I think Thank they, you. They started out with like mechanical contractors, locksmiths. Uh, they went I have a plumber. Yeah, so that'd be. A moving company has it. Um, Terry, make a note, I want to check that, because um, anyone that reaches out to me, I'll find that out too myself, because they were rolling them out market by market, so I, I do want to check that. Ah, interesting. Um, this is a competitor to home advisors, is basically what, but it's not going to be the same, right, because we all know how home advisors works. <laughs> My other thing is this right here. Remember I talked about geo. This is also on that dashboard. It shows you this information. All right, Google Analytics. Has anybody ever looked at this? Yeah. Do you want to know the problem with this right here? See where the little arrow is? Most people open this up and look at it like that, and it says all visitors. You don't want to look at all visitors. You want to be specific, like this is a moving company. Yes, he moves people across the country, but he spends the most of his money in the marketing in New York City, so we actually make him a New York State and a New York City version of this to be able to dig into, okay? So always segment and review that information, because if not, the mix of all the data is making it difficult for you to make decisions. Um, Search Console, this is Google Webmaster or Search Console. It is what I call the poor man's SEO tool. Um, it just gives you an idea of how you're ranking. But again, look up here. Usually you have to narrow that in. You cannot go into city, unfortunately, here. Um, but you can, from here, my favorite button, hit that lovely export, and it will give you your keyword breakdown so that you can see what key phrases people have been typing into Google, how you ranked year over year, at least in the United States. Now, once we get into our data dashboard that I'm going to show you, what I typically do is I look at this data next to Google Analytics, next to other things like you know email marketing or call tracking, so I can see where people are coming from.
All right. Phone data. This is one um, I saw, is, I, I just signed up with them myself, but I, I think I saw somebody here yesterday from Dialpad. Um, and this is um, another company that we use for call tracking called CallRail. Um, so depending upon who you're using, uh, most of the digital um, phone systems at this point have data tracking. And what I love about it is if you set this up where it does dynamic call tracking, then it will tell you first acquisition versus repeat callers, okay? And then it will even, by the way, you can come in here, listen and record the calls, and you're nodding your head, do you guys use them? Um, but you can actually tag which was a good lead and which wasn't. And my favorite thing about that is this is literally what that dashboard looks like. I love this because I see the source it's coming from, okay, direct, organic, LinkedIn, Bing, um, date and time, how long they were on the phone, did they call from desktop or mobile, what keyword they came in through because of the advertisement, and also the page they decided to make the decision to call me from. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of information to digest because if I get that information, then I can start to say, well, should I be using that page more? Is there consistency in the page that people are calling me from? Is that page a tipping point for us? You have a question? Okay, you have a question. So any VoIP phone system? No. Like Verizon One Talk? Do you have this in the background? Not necessarily. This one is specifically CallRail. It is call yeah, rail. it's CallRail. We're a partner. I can send you some information. <laughs> but remember what I said a while ago. What, are you using the right tool for the job? So this might be, if you're looking to level up your knowledge here, this might be a way to do that. Nope. So let's let me clarify. So CallRail um, and other systems will do this. There are other people out there. What you do is your business number is where it gets forwarded to. Um, however, this is what's called a dynamic call. So on Google Business, you can have a dedicated number that goes into CallRail. That's good because you'll know right what's coming in. But the dynamic is sitting on your website. And every visitor that comes to your website sees a unique number. Now, I know this is going to sound strange. If you run radio and you have a vanity number, use that for radio. That's great. But these things, nobody remembers phone numbers anymore. <laughs> we all Google and hit push to call. I don't even, I even use Google Business for that now with businesses and push to call. So at least you have that data to know, but this is called dynamic. So it will, but now if you come back to my website, you will see the same number every time. So it's not like I look like, you know, all over the place, right? But someone else sees a different number. Yeah. It is. It's very cool. <laughs> we actually, by the way, we require our clients to use this when we do Google Ads for them. And because I can justify and show that not only did they click on your website, but it's the only way I can get, especially with home improvement companies where people want to talk to you because usually it's not only what you do, but it's the personality on the other end of the phone. It can. You don't have to, but I, I set them to record. And most of my businesses have said this has been the greatest training tool they've ever had for employees. Yeah, yeah. But I, I have to say, I have not dug into that specifically, so they may have a version. Yeah. And you'll find I'm, um, I'm agnostic to technology, but I want to make sure the technology is going to give you what you need. So if you say to me, Jennifer, and you can do this, call me, right? We're looking at this, this, and this. What do you think? I, that's what we do. We like to do that because that's going to give you the right information back. Your email marketing tells you lots of information. So this I use a lot for my um, clients that have salespeople. Um, if you have a salesperson who's required to like, close business, I love because remember, email oftentimes can be an opportunity for top of funnel where I want to download a report on something, 
like, um, I have an example in here, so I'm going to use it twice, but like how paint impacts your moods, like the paint color, right? So if I'm a homeowner, but for B2B, you might do something like how paint impacts employee morale. <laughs> Same concept, right? And so now the person fills out the form, gets the download, they go in your email. Right? And so as long as you're providing them with some quality, one of my favorite things is that you get this information. I specifically used a crane company because I wanted you all to see email marketing is for everyone. I have a New York City crane company who we use this for. But what's great about it, I had to block it out, but you can see how many people open each one of your email addresses. So I always ask, we have our team send the salespeople this information. Oftentimes, we integrate it into a dashboard to do that, but really helpful. And then using tools like that give you a little bit more data. So this is um, an email application called Clavio. And literally, I can just look at the dashboard. And by the way, they integrate as well. And I can see someone's individual email address and how long ago they were on my website. And then I can click on them and see every page they went to on my website. That is the most awesome tool if you have a salesperson because they can then see how much time people spent looking at what information to vet to your business. Okay, so we get more when we pay for things. So just a little bit about like paying for things. So Google Ads not only gives you information about um, age, gender, demographics, but it also gives you um, insights into your competitors and what they're competing against you on. And I don't know if people know this. This is why I want you to always own your ad account. <laughs> yes, very important. Facebook Ads Manager allows you to dig into all of this information, age, gender, platform, everything. You can see not only, and by the way, this is the trick to Facebook ads. You have to run multiple ad types. Um, and it will tell you what ad type performs better, single ads, video ads, gallery ads, collection ads. We could go on and on. All right, so last but not least, the data you control. So what you ask your customers, that is data you control. You can control what you information. I use online forms often as a way to vet clients for businesses so you can see who's a good fit, especially if you're small. I was talking to an interior designer the other day and she said, yeah, we're only three people. I was like, well then, setting up what you ask people for when you're bringing them into your funnel can really separate whether they're going to be a good fit for you or not. What you ask your partners, what you are tracking during your projects, and then what you save to individual profiles, and how much time you're reviewing information. I did want everybody to know because everyone's all like, oh my god, there's privacy concerns nowadays. But you'd be surprised, as you can see here, 90% of consumers will give you information as long as it's making their lives easier. Very important. All right, so a couple of last minute things here are cross-channel tracking, which you've talked about. So there's a nice big QR code if anyone wants to get your phone out for that. Does your website have any pixels on it from third parties? So Facebook or LinkedIn, each of those has to be, remember how I said set up? Every one of them has to be set up with event tracking. Are you using QR codes? The reason I bring that up is not only did I want to use ours, but of course, if you have it on print material, if you have it anywhere else, you can track lots of information within your QR code. Enabled any other tracking elements in there. And then, of course, we have third-party tracking tags or embed codes from third-party partners. So oftentimes, they have data there as well. All right, so creating standards for observational data. This is an example that I wanted to give you just to take back, which is I get so much business because I'm a member of fill in the blank, right? By the way, this is how I started my business, junior year of college opened my CRM, joined in a group, New York Women in Business, right? And I would go, and then everyone I would meet, I'd put in my database. And then everyone they introduced me to, I would tag, introduced from New York Women in Business. And then at the end of the year, I could see how much business I received because I met people from that association. So that is a great way for you to be able to track something that doesn't feel digital to you.
right? Because you're thinking, ah, networking, right? But you can. You can track everything. So what I think we're all coming to see, and we probably know this, is that the customer journey in itself is not a straight line. And that is why all of those data dashboards that we reviewed are important to understand. So if you've never seen this study before, this is uh, Think with Google. Feel free to write that down. It's called Think with Google. This is a study that they show that everyone does something different. This person started with search, OK? They had an idea. You read the story. This one started with search, but then waited, looked at something else, made a decision, then searched for something else later. The point is that if you look at these, everything is different for everyone. So Randy, this is your funnel conversation, right? So funnel visualization has very important points where capture is extremely important for you. Anywhere you can do that. So awareness, this is a place you can capture information. We've already seen that. Awareness can be captured by those tracking phone numbers. We can capture it through um, downloadable information. Anywhere we can say, we want that information from you. During the consideration phase, if they're in consideration, then they're having a conversation with you, keeping track of the details of that conversation. Moving from interest to requesting a quote. This was more for my B2B people, but thinking about something like that. Again, what drove them into that? What was it? Looking at it this way, you can also look at the funnel from top down. We have kinds of two kinds of customers. So discovery begins with an emotional experience. I don't necessarily need something, but I've been thinking maybe, I'm not sure, right? So emotion happens independently of intention. So for example, I've been thinking about adjusting my bedroom. I've been thinking about painting the house. They haven't really, what? They're not considering it yet. They're just in that, I'm thinking about it. So they're not close enough to the consideration, which means that their path to purchase is going to have many more touches than the person who's seeking out. They've already made the decision, I want to have my house painted by April, because I have family coming for the holiday, right? totally different person. They're, I put them, they're still in the awareness because they don't know you exist. So now they're becoming aware of you, right? But their path is going to be a little faster. So as you think about, again, your objective data and your observational data, you can start to understand these different audience types. OK, so here's an example. I saw a social post about room color and improve my moods. I looked at it. I decided to click on it. So the user reads the post, but they didn't do anything more. They just read it. You might have had a little call to action that says, download the guide, but they didn't give it. They, they weren't interested. So you set up tracking, and you record the platform as the first attribution. Now, your second step is you start segmented remarketing. So what do I mean by that? Meaning, when that person leaves, they're not just going to see a general ad about your business, they're going to see it about what they just read. OK, yeah. The problem is this does take time. I'm never going to say these things don't. But the more specific you are with this, the faster the path is. So now they've seen multiple ads about this. Then they start Googling on the topic again. And of course, now you're business comes up between the past search engine that they would have seen you through, but also because of an ad. And now they visit your website. Now you've got your second attribution. And they may have called you at this point or taken that next step. So I wanted to lay this out so we could understand these components of attribution and then remarketing to these individuals. This also is the same for B2B. You can do the same thing with LinkedIn. You can remarket on LinkedIn. OK? And if they have signed up for information, this is also where we tell people to segment your email and do not send the same thing to everyone, because you want to send it to what they're interested in. One of our biggest misunderstandings about data is, and everybody said it earlier, yeah, I've looked at that report, right, is how we're reviewing it. So now that you've kind of gotten an idea of 
all this data that's out there, we have to stop looking at each dashboard by platform. It does not give us any business intelligence. It's extremely important that we really start to dig in and we have to start with something else. So I wanted to show a little example of the Crane Company, which is we do Google Ads for them, so we keep track of how many click-throughs, how many conversions, how many phone calls. But due to the tools that we have, we can see, as you saw, this is the call rail. It brings in the details of where the calls are coming from, specifically in the Google ad. And this is a dig in further with another tracking tool that gives me the ability to say, not only did that person come to the website and call, but I have a path of everything they looked at while they were there. So when we look at this with our client, we don't look at one thing together, we look at everything. So one of the things that you could do right now, even if you don't want to do a data studio report, which we'll show you shortly, is you can take things like on the top you're seeing here, this is um, an example inside your Google ads. It will tell you how many conversions, now you had to set that up yourself or whoever you're working with. A conversion is that they filled out a form or they executed an action that you find that has value. Another conversion for um, most people in your area would be phone calls. We can then come down here and track this in here. Unfortunately, I can't show it broken out here. It's one of the reasons why I like the data studio reports better. But you can actually dig in and look at the conversion that you got there should match the conversion that you're seeing. That's extremely important. You can then, even though I'm not doing it here, you could even subdivide that into, as we saw, looking at their geolocations very specifically. Okay, so to understand the data that matters to you and your business, we have to understand what do you see, hear, or think yourselves? Like, what do you want to know? So I always start with clients, what is important to your business? We need to get, it's, I call it a question bank, right? So what are the questions? So example. Is my marketing working? That's not a good question because it's too broad, right? Randy's like, yeah, Randy, I like you. Can you come to more? Like, he's got the greatest facial expressions. But is the target location or the marketing tactic working? That's a much better question. Another example, has my membership in BNI brought in business? What clients can I trace back to BNI? That's a question, right? If you can be very specific about those, it's a lot easier for you to build a dashboard. How many people are in a BNI? <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, who are our most profitable customers? This is a very important question, right? Do I know what their journey map looked like? Now that's a reverse. Like I've now started to think about that. Now I've started say, hmm, now go forward, I need to figure out. But the ones that are my most profitable, I want more of those, don't I? Yeah. Exactly, especially if they're not the pain customers, right? We all have those. Okay, so what do you know about your customers? I like to start with this. What do you know about your customers? And what do I wish I knew about my customers? This is a simple take this back, scan the QR code when it comes back up again, do this exercise, right? And what tools do I have to get me this information? And what tools do I need to get me this information? It's a simple exercise, but really important. You control lots of data. I think you can see this. Oftentimes, we're just not customizing. So the CRM tools, your QuickBooks that Randy wasn't so happy about, right? Um, a lot of this can be, you just got to spend a little time digging in. It's kind of like our brains. You know, they always say we only use, what, a certain percentage of our brains? It's the same thing. We, most of us are only using a certain percentage of our softwares, okay? So, but what's important is you have to identify what your KPIs are, key performance indicators, right? What is it for your business? So now, once you've done that, then you build a dashboard. 
because without that, you're just looking at what? You're just looking at numbers. Thank you. I love that. That was a perfect answer because that's exactly how you feel. You're like, what am I looking at? Well, if you don't have the questions, then you can't look to the dashboard for answers because you actually have to build the dashboard to answer the questions. And it seems so logical now that I say it out loud, but how many people are like, God, you know, we really, we just look at the report that the marketing person, and we didn't come to them and say, this is what I want to know. This is what I expect that you're going to tell me. And if they can't, then you have to understand why. And if there's a not a good reason, then maybe we need to find somebody else, right? Very important. So this is an example of a dashboard that I created for a client. So why this was one I wanted to show is because we look at, in one central place, the website acquisition breakdown, where people are coming from. We then look at their specific applications from email, like how many people. So I know, and by the way, I built this in Data Studio. So these are, in case you're wondering, they're called scorecards. So each little one is a scorecard. And I pull a bit of data. Um, if you had computers, we could do a Data Studio class next year. <laughs> But you can understand, literally, this is what my client wanted to know. He said, I want to know how many people do I get signing up on my website so I can see what his visitors are. I can give him all of this information. I also pull in here, and it's, it's actually empty in this one, but his Facebook advertising, he didn't have any running in that month, so he didn't have any acquisition in that month. But literally, he could, in the corner, put the month in, and it would update every month and pull right from Facebook ads, from Google ads, from his email marketing system, one central dashboard. And then we looked at some other things like just understanding engagement and how much time people are spending. But this is very specific to that particular client's needs. By looking at it together, you can ask smarter questions. He then asked me to build more, but they're very specific to his business type. <laughs> This is an example of one that we build out when we do Google ads for clients. So how you clean up the data is understanding one important point. You can't go backwards, OK? So you've got to pick a time that you're going to spend and dig in and clean it up, meaning exclude certain IP addresses. Um, you can do that. You can block specifically on websites. You can um, say, um, I don't know if you know this, but when you're building out your event tracking, with your Google Analytics, you can say if they didn't go through maybe this order of getting to the thank you page or filling in the form, then I don't track that as a conversion. Because most of the time, those spammers are doing this, that. They're just finding the form, right? Also, narrowing it out of market. So most likely, that one came from Mumbai or you know Russia or somewhere else, right? So you can actually exclude that in your reporting. Once you set that up, then you would have it from that point forward. Okay, But it, it's definitely time. It is individual channels. Yes, it's a great question, because that website has a data tracking that's specific to it. But you would be able to do the same thing. Like the call rail, it still picks up the spam calls. right? So you have to then go, you can actually do that in the call rail. You'd mark that as exactly. And then when we pull it in, we would not count it because we would have flagged it. So when you pull it into the dashboard, you're getting clean data. But you have to start in the Exactly. Great question. OK. Um, so I just had wanted to show this because I wanted you to see also you can, in a dashboard, look at, again, now this is you know, us asking very important questions, which is how many phone calls are they getting? Right, So I want to know, but below I want to see what keywords and campaigns are driving those phone calls. So that's important for me. Now what I also often like to be able to layer in on the next page is then looking at that with, again, how many of the people signed up for email or purchased, et cetera. So just so you can see, it's datastudio.google.com in case anyone would like to check it out. It is a free tool. Very important to understand. It does not cost you anything. And when you get here, it will offer you preconceived dashboards to give you ideas. 
beware. <laughs> You're looking at those again without your questions. I really feel like it's so important. Like, I don't mind you get ideas. It's like shopping your competitors. Oh, they gave me an idea. But then I have to make it my own. So look at the dashboards is fine. Just understand the people building them weren't building them for you. Okay. Inside here, this is a little animated GIF that I made, but you can see that you can also import. So this literally is telling you that they have feeds from a ton of places for you to pull. I bring this up because I'm going to show you some other companies you could pay for this, but you can see there's um, a whole bunch of places to pull data into one data studio. So if you're this person who likes to do his hands dirty or her hands dirty, this is a great platform for you to play around with. Okay. Um, what I would start with is when you're connecting your data sources, make a list of your data sources that you want to bring into one dashboard. Look at the data connectors that you're looking for, and then you also want to make sure you might need a third party. One of the ones that's in there is called Supermetrics. You might need that. If, if you have friends that are developers, these are open APIs, so they can do it themselves, but you definitely need a developer. If not, that's why Supermetrics has a new business, right? Because we don't all write that code. They're often called web hooks, in case anyone wants to know what they're called. Um, okay. Building your report, I would start simply, right? Start with your key performance indicators. What do you want to see on one screen? That's why I showed you the one from the client where I wanted to see web and then email and then Facebook, because he wanted to see everything together so that he can ask the questions. When you look at them together, you can ask smarter questions. But it has to make sense for you, right? So when you create this, you create a page in Data Studio, and then you can start with charts or tables or I those little one-off like numbers, those are called scorecards. They're simple and metric. I think it's smarter to start with something simple. It's kind of like, I used the dieting example earlier, but it's true, like you don't say I want to get, lose 100 pounds, right? You start with, I want to lose five. <laughs> because if you set this up and you use it, because that's the thing, you have to get religious, and then the more you look at it, the more you're going to go, oh, you know, this isn't on there. Now I'm using it. And what I would do if it were me is set it as your opening screen or have it on a calendar or have it email you because you can automate things like this where it sends you notifications, okay? Um, these are third-party companies that do the same thing. Yeah? That's a tough question. Because I'm just imagining Please. a room this size that yeah. there's uh, contractors that are doing several million. Um, I know myself, I'm probably one of the smaller ones. Uh, I'm doing an operation. Doesn't matter. So like, it's, what does? Sample size is relative to you, remember that, right? So my, my plumber, one now almost two person operation, right? Same thing. We still want to look because even if it's 100 people, you still need to know if that's the right 100 people, right? And when we talk about this gentleman right here, who's been wonderful today for letting me be, pick on him, um, but if his business is much larger, he's going to want to look at his sample sizes in segments so he's not looking at too much together. So very important question. But you know, I know people ask me this all the time. Startup businesses undervalue everything I've talked about today because they're like, we're too small, data doesn't matter to us. But it does because it's how you level up from a 100,000 to 200,000 to half a million. And it's, I appreciate you saying it because like when I look back, remember I started the business in 97. I was in my 20s. Wow, I wish I did things differently. Like I did not do systems well and it bites me now. Like so much we've gotten bigger. So this is a this is a good point. Thank you for sharing cuz it's like a system. You set up the system, you get in the repetitive and the habit is going to just grow. So thank you. Um, so these are others that exist depending upon the size of your companies. Um Tabla, 
uh, click data. If you're a Microsoft um, Office 365 company, you actually get business intelligence already. It's free. But it's like you're going to have to dig in and learn how to use it. And then Domo is another one. All the others are going to be charges. And they often charge you based on the number of connectors. Look at what you're currently measuring and what might be dirty data and say, OK, you know what? I can see that there's something going on here. So stop and look at what you're measuring or not measuring. Now you've got to, hopefully everybody is going to leave today going, I had no idea I even could measure some things, right? So now you know, maybe you need to be thinking a little bit about what to measure. And then, is it giving you what you need to understand the questions you have about your customers? And if you have different customer groupings, then you need to do this for each grouping. Very important. Start with some of the basics. It's better to start simple and build on this information and the habit. Thank you so much. And begin to build your central dashboard with that from the various sources. Okay, And then make sure you're reviewing it monthly with your team. Your team will not value data if you do not. <laughs> So we talked about all kinds of things today, but I do bring this up because, again, same thing. If you're not doing it with those individuals who are going to be helping, you got to drink the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah, lead from the front. All right. And then ask questions based on the information you're seeing and the observational data you're recording. So I really, really lean into that. There's a really great TED talk out there about the fact that Nokia did not pay attention to observational data, and that's why they failed when they were overseas. It's very interesting. So from there, we adjust. We revise, and we have to learn to trust. So remember, what gets measured gets, thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Um, if everybody could take your phone out, please. Feel free to, um, so this is an autoresponder. So if you do email, if you're not a QR code person, um, it will um, take you, and you can do that. So feel free to take a picture. But I also need you to open the PCA app for me. Please don't run out the door. <laughs> um, and they would really like to make sure that you open the app and you go to the menu on the top right. And then you're going to scroll down to the schedule. And we are on March 2nd. And then you're going to scroll down a little further and find today's presentation, decoding your customer data and creating a better dashboard. And then please hit session survey and fill that out. And before you anyone leaves, just may I ask, how did, how did we feel about today? Did we learn new things? Did we was it good? Did I hit everything for everybody? It's really hard to speak to a room of different, so are we, are we all good? OK, if you have personal feedback, I love it, so feel free. But make sure you tell them good things about me. Because <laughs> now we say to our, Yelp, our customers, like, go to Google and Yelp and review us. But if you have any issues, come directly to me. <laughs> Well, you know, it is. But I, I don't sell, I don't, I don't, I want anyone to leave here and know that you can do this yourself. I can paint too. No, I can't. I'm not allowed. I really am not. I can't paint a straight line. <laughs> so I'm with you. There are some things I, I really, I agree, I think as, but what I think is always important is even if you aren't going to do this yourself, I want you to walk away today knowing what's available and who you can trust and who's, maybe you want to question a little differently. How many people are potential versus exact existing customers? And again, depending upon your area, what's your customers and their lifetime value. So I, I, unfortunately, 
because that's, that lifetime value is important to that first question. Because if these people in this organization have been sending you customers that have a lifetime value that's you know, significantly higher or lower than what you want, then that works both ways. That sword can cut. So it's not just about you looking at this and that one moment. You're, and this is important, especially if you have rep repetition in your business. So that's important, right? But like we, we look at that all the time because a customer has lifetime value where they're going to come back to you over and over, especially on the B2B side with contractors and CMs. We, at Talison, they actually built a tool for all their subs where they tell them how many bids they put in, how many they won, uh -huh, how many they lost, how many jobs they actually they give it back. That's why I brought in partners, because you'd be surprised. So, But I mean, for what you're asking, I just want you to think about it's not just that first and second. It might be a second and third. So, All right. Thank you, guys, so much. I'm going to hang out. You can ask questions. But I appreciate everyone's time. Did everybody fill out their surveys? Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.